0: Welcome to another Whitehead Moncton podcast. Today's family law podcast, in which we discussed the new initiative, was introduced by Resolution First for Family, named Resolution Together. I'm Dawn Harrison, consultant solicitor, mediator and collaborative lawyer practitioner. I am here with Emma Craigie, solicitor who joined the firm of Whitehead Moncton last year.
1: Yes, I, I can't quite believe how quickly the last four months have gone by, um, and it's wonderful to be a part of the Whitehead Edmonton family.
0: You're very welcome. So during this podcast, Emma and I plan to take you through the Resolution Together concept that Resolution has recently unveiled after campaigning for many years to get a change in the law of divorce. Emma, could you just tell us what change that was?
1: Yes, so uh, the Divorce, Dissolution and Separation Act was enacted uh, from April 2022. This meant that for the first time, couples have the opportunity to make joint applications to end their marriage. So while some of the clients do still choose to make a sole application, for others a joint application is uh, actually quite an attractive alternative. There's also no requirement to cite reasons for the breakdown of the marriage, whether that be unreasonable behaviour or adultery which obviously reduces the level of conflict uh, that used to be triggered by one spouse having to blame the other. Mm.
0: Yeah, unreasonable um, behaviour, adultery, yeah, very much triggers. You've still got to prove the irretrievable breakdown, but you don't have to be saying, giving it a label, do you? Yeah, yeah
1: it's enough just yeah. to make that statement.
0: Yeah, that's, that, that's really good. So it fits in then that now is the time for resolution to promote a way under the banner of resolution together to offer separating couples a chance to engage a single legal advisor to provide advice to the separating couple on how they want to manage their affairs. I can actually speak to this because, you know, from time to time I have had in the past calls from clients saying, well, why can't we both come along? And the advice has always been, no, you each engage your own separate lawyers. So this is the new kid on the block, so to speak
1: yes yeah, so so presumably then it's sort of suitable for those who have a joint aim to reach an outcome that meets their needs and then you know if their parents as well then the needs of their their children
0: absolutely yeah so during this podcast uh, we'll talk through the differences between this way of working and other more established methods from before and we'll deal with some key questions but before we begin and I might it be helpful if we just give a quick reminder of the processes that have gone before.
1: Yeah I think that would be helpful. Um, so uh, the practice has always been that uh, a husband and wife or a couple engage separate legal advisers using the framework of a financial remedy claim within the court system to negotiate a financial settlement and in the absence of agreement the husband or wife or partners will apply to the court to determine an outcome in respect to the finances As Storm will know very well, being a trained and highly experienced mediator, uh, mediation became a dispute resolution option in the 1990s based on each of the parties to a marriage meeting together with an impartial facilitator, i.e. a mediator, to reach an agreement between themselves. Husband and wife uh, partners uh, in this situation are recommended to each have a legal advisor on the sidelines, but legal advisors won't join the meetings.
0: Yeah, I just wanted to make a point about the legal advisors not being within mediation. There are some mediators that do embrace legal advisors being within a mediation, but it's not that common. There are a few who do what's called hybrid mediation. They've only really come on in the last couple of years. So just to just to let you know, because I know this is an an area that you haven't traversed yourself yet. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, yes, you're right. You you'd rarely see legal advisors otherwise in a mediation setting.
1: Yeah, and that's interesting, and it's good for listeners to be able to you know to know that. Yeah, um, it's always and to good know to know that option.
0: The options, quite.
1: So uh, then, you know, there's collaborative practice which began from about 2000, which was introduced as an alternative face-to-face engagement with parties attending with their legal advisors to reach an agreement without going to court. Um, The only application to court would be to obtain their consent order, concluding their financial claims on divorce. I know that Emma Palmer and Sarah Brittenden of of this firm recently did a a podcast and presented on that, um, explaining the benefits of of that approach. Mm. And then obviously, finally, there's arbitration, um, slightly less common, but uh, certainly becoming more popular, um, which is akin to going to court, but using a jointly selected and paid for arbitrator. Mm.
0: That's really helpful to have run through those because they are our go to dispute resolution options, and they still will be after the resolution together model. Um, But I think it would now be good to Deal with that big question in the room, what exactly is Resolution Together? Well, it proposes that a separating couple be allowed to use one single legal advisor to manage their separation or divorce. The key is that they must give informed consent to sharing factual and financial information to reach decisions together. Now, all the other processes are also based on the sharing of information but they each have their own advisor. So the distinction is with resolution together, um, they are combining their financial information sharing with just that one legal advisor. It may not sound very different, but it does have more ramifications as we go on. yeah.
1: Um, well, well I, I think it's fair to say that there'll be a lot of couples out there who would be interested to understand how this approach yeah. works and whether it would be a, a suitable approach in their case. Um, so on that basis, who, who would you say it's suitable for, Dawn? So I would say the Resolution Together model
0: would suit those who have a joint aim to reach an outcome together which will meet their needs, and if their parents, the needs of the children, because they need to agree that the one legal professional working with them will not act for either of them individually. So they can't represent them in communications to the court, for example, other than where there is an agreement that's been reached with the advisor filing a draft order with the court on their behalf.
1: So I'm sure you'll agree then that this probably won't be a model suited to all couples. Specifically, who would you say it's unsuitable for?
0: Yeah, it certainly won't suit everyone because being amicable is not something that you necessarily put in the same sentence as separating couples. Yeah. So you'll have couples that experience power imbalance, uh, that may have suffered some abuse in their relationship. That, would, to me, would be a bit of a red flag for saying this may not be a suitable process. Um, some others uh, have capacity issues, either... ...due to mental frailty or just emotionally not being able to manage working together well. Uh, there could also be concerns from one or both that they might hide information... ...or there may be some pressure put on one of the people, duress to even take part... ...and also to accept proposals uh, and kind of block negotiation. Well, that's not... You know, none of that fits well with you know coming to an agreement... With the help of a single advisor, the behaviour has to be um, pretty respectful, civil, uh, and looking at that joint solution making. So,
1: I mean, that's certainly going to be a challenge for the legal advisor, isn't it, in trying to in identify, trying to identify, those identify issues, all um, those things? And that's going to be important. Yeah,
0: and there's international issues, risk of child abduction, relocation, all those other elements may also flag that this isn't for everyone.
1: Yeah. So being a mediator yourself, then, you're probably the perfect person to answer this question. Um, But uh, resolution together isn't mediation, is it? Well, at first blush, I thought it
0: sounds the same. <laughs> it sounds yeah. very similar. Um, But it does have, and and I think that's because it does have some of the features that are like mediation, like collaborative practice, uh, but it is an advice service and that's Certainly the difference between mediation um, uh, and resolution together, it's, it's advice. In mediation, you do not offer advice, um, so couples will get this legal advice and they'll get it jointly benefiting them, um, but it is important that those that choose it should not be in dispute or have a conflict. And that's really what the question before this about unsuitability was asking, really, Uh, is there a problem that we can foresee that might make it unsuitable because there could be a dispute or a a conflict that really is going to unhinge it. Now, if there is a concern in relation to conflict, then the single legal professional may suggest that advice is obtained from others to assist them in reaching their goal. The advice that the Resolution Together professional can give the client will go beyond legal information, as I said, uh, that might be provided in mediation. Uh, they can seek uh, individual advice from elsewhere um, and any single legal advisor appointed will then bring together from any separate advice the agreement and financial
1: order that they want to have uh, made. Yeah, and following mediation they would have to inform their separately appointed legal advisers of the agreement reached um, and one of the uh, legal advisers would prepare the order. So, you know, I guess this model avoids having to undertake that additional step, which I'm sure a lot of listeners will be pleased to hear. Yeah, it
0: keeps it in-house. in, in house. The only time it has to go outside that one legal professional is if they need other separate advice. And it might not be legal advice either. It might be financial advice, which I might mention again later.
1: I suppose then that, uh, that Resolution does not see the Resolution Together model as a process like mediation or collaborative practice. Instead, it provides couples with the means to obtain advice together, if that is their preference.
0: Yes, uh, and they have to be assessed to be suitable, as we've said. Um, The absence of conflict, duress, capacity, just to name the few that
1: I mentioned earlier. In terms of um, safeguarding a couple then, my understanding is that each of the parties will be required to sign an agreement that shows clearly uh, that there will be a reassessment of the model if a problem arises – for example if it emerges after the initial meetings that there could be abused this could prevent the model being used to the conclusion of uh, a draft order is that right? Yes and this is I think the complicating factor of
0: um, the new method yeah. of trying to help two people because you've got to get to know those two people and so it might not be instantly obvious that there's going to be problems so there is that need to sign the agreement and then if there is a problem we can't ignore it mm. you don't push it under the carpet and try and get around it.
1: It, it yeah. has to be addressed and may need... Um, well, well, it certainly is a, a very interesting development in, in family yeah. law. Um, perhaps it'd be helpful if you could just explain to our listeners how the resolution model has uh, been designed to work. OK, so
0: um, what they're, what resolution are promoting to their membership of family law advisors and the associated professions such as uh, uh, independent financial advisors whose financial planning skills can work well with legal advisors. It's um, to be based on an initial meeting that is bringing the couple together to begin with. And then after that initial meeting with both of them, then the legal advisor also has separate meetings with each of the member of the couple.
1: I suppose the two different meetings ensure that the advisor is fully aware of the separate concerns of each member of the couple, which is obviously rather important. Absolutely. Um, And it gives them that bigger
0: space and time to assess whether there could be a conflict um, and encourage them then to say, well, if this is what will work for you, then we get you to sign a document that records the intention to work together uh, and might include, as I say, some external Mm -hmm. Advice coming from financial advisers, maybe even accountant or pension expert.
1: So I guess uh, that leaves me to ask the uh, last big question um, in the room, which is uh, how do you envisage that we at Whitehead Monkton will approach the resolution together model?
0: Well, we have members of our team like me who have the mediation skills that does equip us very well to undertake these necessary assessments for suitability. Um, But those not working as mediators in the team will be able to receive training uh, and will be able to deliver the model to couples that choose this um, as well.
1: I think what I've learned certainly from this conversation is that obviously, and and quite importantly, this is not a substitute for the dispute resolution options, uh, is it?
0: Oh, no, they're very much still alive and kicking and and maybe the preferred um, uh, way to, to, to deal with things um, but it's nice that there are options.
1: I always think that the, the, the task
0: is to choose the right ones for the right people.
1: Well, some exciting changes to come. Then. And uh, I think that rounds it off nicely, which leaves me just to say thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, and thank you to Dawn for doing this podcast with me. To all those listening to this podcast, if you have any questions about the Resolution Together model, then please do get in touch with one of our friendly family lawyers here at Whitehead Moncton. Thank you very much, Emma. Thank you. goodbye.